Wisdom, the final frontier to true knowledge. Welcome to Wisdom Trek, where our mission is to create a legacy of wisdom, to seek out discernment and insights, to boldly grow where few have chosen to grow before. Hello, my friend. I am Guthrie Chamberlain, your captain on our journey to increase wisdom and create a living legacy. Thank you for joining us today as we explore wisdom on our second millennium of podcast. This is day 1141 of our trek, and it is Worldview Wednesday. Creating a biblical worldview is important in order to have a proper perspective of today's current events. To establish a biblical worldview, it is required that we have a proper understanding of God and His Word. On our Worldview Wednesday episodes, we are in a series in which we are covering another detailed review of a book from one of today's most prominent Hebrew scholars, Dr. Michael S. Heiser. We are taking a deep dive and will share Dr. Heiser's insights into the question, which is also the title of his book, What Does God Want? And today, let's look at God Joined His Human Family. Last week, we explored how the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, had continually turned from Him in a constant downward spiral. This concluded in their final betrayal, which the nation was taken into exile. God still desired an intimate relationship with His human family, so there was only one choice left for Him, to become a human and dwell as one of them. Most Christians know about the coming of Jesus. They know that he was miraculously birthed by Mary, a young girl who was a virgin, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And even the wider culture is familiar with the image of baby Jesus in the manger, especially in Christmas decorations. Several old but still popular Christmas songs celebrate how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. In addition to this baby in the manger, there is more to Jesus than the cross. The entire focus is typically that Jesus was being born into the world to eventually die on the cross. He would be by the means of forgiveness for our sins and thus our entrance back into God's family, John 3.16. In other words, when most Christians think about Jesus, they have the cross in mind. The cross is important, but it misses something. The fact that God became a man in Jesus gets a little lost in the focus on the cross. Most Christians don't realize that it was necessary for God to become a human for many reasons, including to fulfill the Old Testament covenant and to overturn the results of supernatural rebellions, which we discussed in previous weeks. The hope that the human beings could still one day be with God forever is kept alive by God's refusal to eliminate humanity or scrap the plan. He kept returning to humanity, offering them forgiveness and a relationship with Him. God wanted them to believe and to show that they believe by living in harmony with Him and each other. But God's children rejected Him at every turn. It's as though every time God said, You can still be with me, believe that, and then show me where your heart is. But the problem only got worse. The Bible uses the analogy of the wandering sheep with no shepherd to describe this propensity. And this is found in Isaiah chapter 53, 6 and Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. And that's pretty much on target. As we noted last week, God's children needed new hearts and God's presence to help them believe. They needed a means to be saved from themselves and from the destiny that didn't include everlasting life with God who loved them. There had to be a way for God to honor His covenant promises and to reverse a curse of death and to help His people to continue in their faith. God's solution to these problems was radical. He had to become a man. He had to join the human race. This is where Jesus enters the story. 
Jesus was God becoming man. He was the solution to every one of these obstacles. And this can be found in John chapter 1, verse 1, verses 14 through 15, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, and chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. Only by dying on behalf of all humanity could the curse of death upon humanity be reversed. That meant such a death had to be followed by a resurrection, something only God could accomplish. Jesus was the solution for what happened in the Garden of Eden. Next, remember God's covenant with Abraham. God had supernaturally intervened to enable Abraham and Sarah to have a son. That was the beginning of the nation of Israel. God told Abraham that one of his descendants would bless the nations God had forsaken at Babel. But how could mere man do that? Only God himself could be a loyal descendant of Abraham who would fulfill the promise of the covenant and bless the nations outside of Israel. Jesus was that descendant of Abraham, Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 and Luke chapter 3 verse 34. He was the promised offspring that would release the people in the divorced nation or the Gentiles from the other gods so that they could rejoin God's family, Galatians chapter 3 verses 16 through 18 and verses 26 through 29. Jesus was the solution for fulfilling the covenant of Abraham. Next, Jesus was also the descendant of David. So he was the rightful king, Matthew chapter 1 verse 1, Luke chapter 1 verse 32, Romans chapter 1 verse 3. Jesus was the solution for fulfilling the covenant with David. He had the right ancestry and was perfectly loyal to God. He never disobeyed God. He never committed any sins. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, and 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 22. The fact that he had never sinned also meant that he was a perfect example of the purpose of God's law and covenant made at Sinai. Jesus was the ultimate imager of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4, Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. He is the illustration on how to image God. God wants us to conform to Jesus' example, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 and Colossians chapter 3 verse 10. As we'll see in subsequent weeks, that's also what being a disciple means, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. God becoming a man is a difficult idea to grasp. God could become a man because he is more than one person. God is three persons who are completely the same in their nature. The Bible uses the terms Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to distinguish these three persons. Christians call the result of this label the Trinity. God the Son became a man as Jesus, John chapter 1, verse 1, and verses 14 through 15. Theologians call that the Incarnation, a term that means God coming in the flesh. Jesus would be the only human God the Father could rely on in order to fulfill the covenants. You might recall that it was mentioned earlier that God knew from before the foundations of the world that he would send the Son, Jesus, to bring his people back to his family. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 through 14 and 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 20. The amazing thing is that the Son was willing to become a man, to be tortured and to die so God could have his human family. Here's how one section of the New Testament describes the conversation. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifice or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with the burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. And that's Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 7. 
It is a good thing that God the Son was willing to be born as Jesus. Not only were the covenants God made with his people at risk, but overcoming all the misery caused by this supernatural rebellions was at stake as well. We need to understand that those rebellions required God becoming a man, because God joining his human family set the stage for the coming of his spirit. And that will conclude our lesson for this week from Dr. Heiser's book, What Does God Want? Next Worldview Wednesday, we will learn that because of God coming to earth, he was able to fix more than the fall of humans. He also duped Satan and his minions into killing him. I believe that you'll find each Worldview Wednesday an interesting topic to consider as we build our biblical worldview. Tomorrow, we will continue with our three-minute humor nugget that will provide you with a bit of cheer, which will help you to lighten up and live a rich and satisfying life. So encourage your friends and family to join us and to come along with us tomorrow for another day of Wisdom Trek, Creating a Legacy. If you'd like to listen to any of the past 1,140 treks or read the wisdom journals, they are all available at wisdom-trek.com. I encourage you to subscribe to Wisdom Trek on your favorite podcast player so that each day will be downloaded to you automatically. And thank you so much for allowing me to be your guide, your mentor, but most importantly, I am your friend as I serve you through the Wisdom Trek podcast and journal each day. And as we take this trek of life together, let us always live abundantly, love unconditionally, listen intentionally, learn continuously, lend to others generously, lead with integrity, and then leave a living legacy each day. I am Guthrie Chamberlain reminding you to keep moving forward, enjoy your journey, and then create a great day every day. See you tomorrow.